We're going to look at verses 7 through 10 this morning, 1 John chapter 4. Follow along as we uh, pick it up in verse 7, where it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The story goes of a series of pink I love you signs that mysteriously appeared in a little town of Welland, Ontario, Canada. Um, A local reporter by the name of Marianne Firth decided to investigate why these pink I love you signs were showing up, and her investigation turned up nothing. Now, weeks later, new signs appeared featuring the name of a local park along with a date and a time. Firth went to the park at the appointed time, and there she met a man wearing a suit that had cleverly uh, concealed his face. Now, imagine her surprise when he handed her a bouquet and then proposed marriage. This uh, mystery man was Ryan St. Denis, her boyfriend, and, and yes, she happily accepted. Uh, St. Denis's expression of love towards his fiance may seem a bit over the top, right? A little bit extravagant. Um, actually, what guys like that do is make the rest of us guys look bad. You know, that's what, that's what it does. Um, but now you carry that over, though, and, and God's expression of love to us is extravagant. God's expression of love to us is over the top and what it does when you look at the way God loves us and the world loves us God's love for us makes everything the world does look bad right God's expression of love for us is over the top God's expression of love for us is extravagant Now, I'd like to look at this passage, and this passage can be a little overwhelming when we consider just how extravagant, how over-the-top God's love is. Um, Let me go ahead and sum up the message in case you guys happen to doze off, all right? Um, It goes like this. God loves us, okay? And because God loves us, we love him. Rachel, quit your yawning. See, I mentioned sleeping, and and there she goes. She's dozing off. All right. Because God loves us and we love God, we should love one another. And if we don't love one another, then God says we really don't love him. Now, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Now, this is a call to love. It's a call for every one of us. It's a call that you need to hear. Now consider for a moment the attitudes, the actions that we see from other people today. I mean, there's arguing and there's fussing and there's fighting. There's riots in the streets. The nightly news is consumed with with robberies, assaults, rapes, murders, acts of terrorism. I mean, conservatives hate liberals. Democrats hate Republicans. Independents hate them both, right? You know, it's just a mess. Now what is the cause, though? What is the cause of all this turmoil? 
Why is there such hatred and contempt in the world today? And I want to say that it's uh, really the main reason is there is an absence of the ability to love, to show love. People who do not know God do not know how to love. Verse 8 says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, because God is love. And on the other hand, some amazing things happen when people encounter God's love, this amazing love, this, this, this extravagant love. There's account after account of the toughest, meanest, even most violent men uh, becoming kind-hearted and gentle people after having put their faith and trust in Christ. Now we're going to look through these verses. We're going to see several truths about God's love for us, and it is aimed at us. Um, it's, it, is, it is overwhelming. The first truth, if you look at verse 7, we're going to explain God's love. This is an explanation. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. John, here, he, he, he attempts the impossible uh, in, in, in this passage. Uh, he does his best to explain the unexplainable. Uh, he's going to try and explain the love of God. And in doing so, we see where love comes from. It's love's source. It says, love is of God. Now, where does biblical love come from? Simply stated, biblical love comes from God. In, in Greek, there are four words for love. Now, one of them doesn't show up in Scripture, but it's in the Greek language. All right, uh, And there was a really cool way to remember these things, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's cool but it's not appropriate all right how's that for a setup (laughs) all right first one the one that doesn't show up in scripture is sturgeon um it it refers to love of things second one is eros that's that's erotic love um physical love phileo which uh speaks of the tender affection brotherly love like philadelphia the city of brotherly love Right, and then agape, uh, which refers to the never-ending, unchanging, all-consuming, self-sacrificing love that we find God showing us and then him giving us the ability or capacity to show to one another. And that's that word agape that we see in this passage. It's not sentimental, it's not sexual, it's not, it's not social, it is supernatural. It comes from God himself. Agape love is is a love that we receive from God, and as a result, this is the love that we extend to one another. The source of love is God himself. Now, verse 7 goes on to show us how significant this love is. It says, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. This verse makes it clear that, that John is speaking about the brethren, right? He's talking about Christians. He's writing to those of us who know Jesus personally. John argues that one, one's, one's nature shows one's spiritual lineage, all right? Those who are like God are his children. Uh, you, can, you can honestly say that, that you love the brethren, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's, that's, that's going to be evident. So, so let's ask ourselves the question, do you love the brethren? Can you say that you love your neighbor? Do you love your enemies? If you do, it is only because you are born of God. 
That's the only way you have the capacity to do this. We do not have the capacity to love at this level like this apart from Christ. And the significance of the love is that it is the evidence of your relationship with Christ. It is the evidence of your salvation. Consider what John said um, later on, if you want to look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we are the children of God, if we love God and keep his commandments. The only way we do this is by knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, Paul also spoke of the importance of this. Over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, he tells us that love is the first of the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And, and, and while the fruit of the Spirit is an, is an all-or-nothing arrangement, love holds the prominent position of first mention. Jesus taught us over and over and over of the importance of love. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 40, it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you could just love God with everything you have, if you could love your neighbor the way you love yourself because you are just as bad as your neighbor is and, 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 and you always take care of you, so you take care of your neighbor, if you could do that, you could fulfill the law. Jesus says that those who belong to him should love God and love their neighbor as much as they love themselves. There should be reciprocity in the exercise of love. Again, this is impossible apart from Christ. Christian love is a matter of, of will. It's not a matter of, of feeling. Jesus says that we are to love our enemies Anybody can love somebody that likes you. Anybody can love somebody that loves you back. But, but to love our enemies, to bless them that curse us, to do good to them that hate us, to pray for those which despitefully use us and persecute us, takes the power of God. And trust me, you will not feel like loving your enemies. But through Christ and his love at work in you, it is possible Look at verse 8 and 9. We see the, uh, the evidence of love here. Verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love, um, I'm sorry, and this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. We see the evidence of God's love here. It's easy to profess love for God. It's easy to profess love for others, but some profess to have that love without actually possessing that love. When you actually possess the love of God, it will be seen in your actions. Since God is love, if you're intimately acquainted with God, 
he will produce in and through you his love. Now the evidence is seen, if you look at the last part of verse 7, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now just as love is evidence of somebody's salvation, hatred is an indicator that somebody does not know God. When it says knoweth God, it's, it's to know spiritually, um, experientially, uh, habitually, to be in a, in a constant relationship with God. There's many people who profess to be born again. They, they, they profess to be children of God. But this passage of scripture says otherwise. God says you can't love him and hate your brother. Again, you cannot be right with God if you're at odds with another believer, you can't do it. God says no. Look down at verse 20, chapter 4, verse 20. It says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, look what God calls that person. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now, I'm not calling you a liar. But God is calling you a liar if you say that you love God and you hate somebody. Verse 8 says, uh, knoweth not here. It means not only to not know now, but, but never have known, never knew, has not once ever known God this truth is very clear if you have habitual hatred in your heart you do not know God that's what God says doesn't matter what you say doesn't matter what you feel doesn't matter what I say doesn't matter what I feel God says you knoweth not God you have no acquaintance with him. You never did get acquainted with him. Now, if you do not know God, that means you are lost. And if you are lost, unsaved, that means you're headed to hell. And if God has revealed this, if, if he would have revealed this to me, I, I, I wouldn't wait till the sermon was over. I would cry out to Jesus to get saved right now. If you're being convicted of the sin of hatred and God through his Holy Spirit has told you, no, you cannot be saved and hate like you do. You need to get saved. If God had revealed that to me, I would get saved right now. I wouldn't wait till the sermon is over. Uh, and, 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 and because of his love for you, if you cried out to be saved right now, he would save you. Because he loves you. The evidence of God's love is seen in his people and the way that they love those who are unlovely. But it goes on, the evidence is seen also not just in God's people, but in God's provision. Verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Now, God's love is absolutely indescribable but but the greatest picture of God's love that God gives to us the picture he paints for us is the sacrifice of his only begotten son God loved you so much that he gave up his most precious possession 
And he did that to redeem you. And it's one thing to say you love someone, but it's something else entirely to give your most precious possession to them in demonstration of your love for them. And we've all seen the movies, right, where someone has kidnapped a child and they're calling the parents and uh, they want the uh, parents to pay the ransom to receive the child back without any harm done to them. And, and, and of all the movies with this plot, you know, I've, I've, I've never seen a, uh, a parent say, well, just, just keep the kid. You're not getting any money, you know. You don't, you, you don't see that. What you do see sometimes if you're Liam Neeson is, you know, kind of movie is if, if you take my kid, I'm going to come and kill you. But still, no, no parent says, well, you just keep the kid. I don't want any money. No. They do whatever they can do to get their child back. They're always willing to sacrifice anything at all, anything they have to get their child returned. Now, look, this, I know you've got some distraction, but you can focus. You're, you're grown-ups, okay? Focus up here. This is the position we're in. Okay? We were in bondage to sin. There was a great price that had to be paid to ransom us, and we could not pay that price. God loved us enough that he was willing to send his only son, his only begotten son, as a ransom for us. And, and I can't explain the love of God any better than the picture of, of, of Calvary's cross, of Jesus hanging there, taking the wrath of God for us. John seems to, 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 to sum up the phrase of, 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 of God's love with the picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You want to know if God loves you or not? You look at what happened to Jesus Christ on the cross. And don't you dare tell me God doesn't love you. Don't you dare try to explain, well, no, I'm the exception. I'm too bad. I've gone too far. No. No. Don't you dare say that while you're looking at the cross. Look at verse 10, and, and we'll see the extent the extent of God's love. Chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Look at that, the propitiation for our sins. And the psalmist said that, that God's love reaches to the heavens. God's love, his amazing love, it is, it is limitless. His love for his children is beyond measure. And his love is unconditional. His love always is it's, it's always consistent. It never changes. Let me give an aside. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional acceptance there's a great gulf between those two God loves you without qualification but he will not accept you if you are still in your sins he cannot because of his holiness he will not because of his holiness accept you although he loves you 
He will not accept you if you are not in the beloved. And that means that he will only accept you if you have come to Jesus to be saved and are now in Christ. And the reason that is, is because not even his love will override his holiness. Oh, does God love you? Absolutely. Without question. But the only way that he will accept you is by you putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be saved. Then your sins are gone. They're wiped clean. You're dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Then you are accepted. See, we have so elevated the love of God beyond his holiness and and beyond his wrath that now we have an air-conditioned hell, right? God loves you, make no mistake. God loves you. And because he loves you, he has made a means, a way whereby you can have your sins forgiven and you can be accepted. And, and, and one of the most amazing aspects of God's love is, is that we, we, we could never, no matter how hard we try, we could never deserve this. It is an undeserved love. The first part of verse 10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Not that we did any act of love at any time to God but he did the act of love to us by sending Christ see there's no way for a lost person lost humanity to deserve any kind of this amazing love from almighty God but but we can rest assured that that in spite of our sinfulness God loves us Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, okay, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemy, he demonstrated his love to us. And that secured for us by our coming to Jesus to be saved, it, 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 it secured our right standing before God, uh, having given us Christ's righteousness. See, genuine love is not something that can be earned. When you think about about our children, when when they're born, they can't do anything for themselves. This means that there's nothing they could do to earn our love. Children don't have to earn the love of their parents, but they couldn't if they tried. See, agape love is, is an unearnable love. It's the love that we possess for our children. It's the same love that, 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 that God has, that he's extended to us, uh, his, his, his children. Uh, we could never earn it. We could never repay it. Everything he has done for us, to try to repay the love that God has shown us is insulting to God. There are multitudes of people who are trying to clean themselves up. They're trying to reach the point where they think they're worthy uh, of God, that they've done enough that God now will show them favor. They're trying to stop doing certain things. They're trying to start doing other things. Um, If acceptance, if love could be earned, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. 
And if this describes you trying to earn God's favor, you're wasting your time. You'll, you'll, you'll never reach the point of being good enough to deserve God's grace or his mercy or his salvation. But the good news is because God does have this unfathomable love for you, you can receive everything through Christ, this expression of love. It's, it, it's, it's possible because God sent Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice, to be the propitiation. It's possible because Jesus did lay down his life for you, and that gives you access to him. When it comes to God's love, there is, uh, there is nothing that compares. Now, the last part of verse 10, this, this shows us his his ultimate, his ultimate love. The end of verse 10 says that God sent his son to be their propitiation for our sins. Jesus came to be the propitiation. That means the turning away of wrath by an offering. Uh, the shedding of Jesus's precious blood was the ultimate sacrifice, the, the, the finishing sacrifice for our sins. And those who are in Christ, if you're in Christ, if you're saved, then you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of this, you are forever protected from God's wrath. See, Jesus' sacrifice turned away the wrath of God. See, in, in, in God's justice system, sin has to be punished. So, so, so you either take the punishment or you find somebody qualified to take your punishment for you. Jesus allows substitution in his justice system. You, you deserved the full outpouring of God's wrath for your sin. Jesus took that. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. You should have the full, hot hatred of God's sin poured out on you in an eternal outpouring of punishment it's the best you deserve but God loves you he has made a way for you to have somebody take his wrath for you and in return you get Jesus's righteousness see one 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 commentary explains this uh uh, propitiation this way it says that the pagan worshiper back in this time uh, they brought gifts to his god little g to appease the god's wrath and make him favorable in his attitude towards him but the god of christianity needs no gifts to appease his wrath and make favorable towards uh, and make him favorable towards the human race his wrath against sin cannot be placated by good works only the infliction of the penalty of sin, which is death, will satisfy the just demands of his holy law, which the human race violated. It will maintain his government. It will provide the proper basis for his bestowal of mercy, namely divine justice satisfied. See, sin must be punished. And, 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 and either you take the punishment or you, by faith in Jesus Christ, allow the punishment he took to be applied to you. All of this is possible 
because God loves you and he sent Jesus to be your propitiation. Jesus was sent to take on the wrath for sin that should have been poured out on you. That's how much he loved you. See, Jesus willingly came to be the propitiation. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. But he laid down his life for you before you were his friends. This is the ultimate expression of love. And this love is available to you. You know 1 John 3.16, right? You know it by heart. For God so loved the world. He so loved. That, that explains how. God loved the world so much that he did this, that he sent his only begotten son. That's how God so loved. That's the manner in which God loved the world, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, the son, should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God has paid a great price so that you and I could be saved and accepted by him. And God, through his perfect son, has made a way for you to have your sins forgiven. Jesus has made a way for you to attain eternal life, a home in heaven. God provided this opportunity because he loves you and he desires a personal relationship with you. So you, you, you can't clean yourself up. You can't pay your own ransom. The good news is that, that, that all that, that's needed to be done has, has already been done. That's how much God loves you. He has provided the sacrifice for you. If you don't know Christ as Savior, the problem you have isn't hell. Hell's just a penalty. The problem you have is sin. And that is what separates you from God the Father. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ can you be made acceptable in the beloved can you be made acceptable to the father and he he offers that to you out of his love but none of his attributes contradict the other so 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 his love is not going to contradict his holiness and and his forgiveness his mercy is not going to contradict his justice so the only way that you can experience then the love of God is through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior so that his holiness is not violated, his, 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 his justice is carried out, and your relationship with the Father through the Son is secure. It's through God's love that he is offering this salvation to you. And if you haven't already... You need to accept that gift today. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you will, if you do, if you come to Jesus in faith, you, you, you will experience the unlimited extravagance of God's love. And if you are saved, you know Christ as Savior. Maybe you've been saved for 10, 15, 20, 80, you know, 100 years who knows 
Well, you're, you're not that old, but so probably not 100, right? But you've been saved a long time. Has it gotten commonplace? Have you kind of gotten used to the love of God? Were you kind of taking the love of God for granted? You know, with a husband and wife, when they start taking each other for granted, that, that's the beginning of the downfall of the marriage. If you've gotten used to the love of God, ask God to remind you just how precious, just how over the top, just how extravagant his love for you is. Return to that, that first love. Feel it, experience it, think about it with old, new eyes. Because the love that God has for us puts all other love to shame. It makes all other love from any body and anything look bad stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed Father this morning we just want to thank you for this opportunity to look at your love to look at your commitment to us to look at the sacrifice that was made because you love us and Father I pray that your spirit would examine our hearts That, Lord, if there be anybody here that does not know Christ as Savior and your Spirit has made that evidence to them, I pray, Lord, that you would convict them of that sin, lead them to repentance and faith in Christ. For those of us, Lord, that know you, that have known you for years, Lord, if we've grown cold, if we've gotten used to you loving us and it's lost its wonder, Father, I pray that you renew that wonder again. Lord, you so love us. May we never take that love for granted. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Keith, would you come?